that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to the Race Hour podcast. I'm your host, Dermot Nolan. We're here in the towers of our sponsors, bookmakers.co.uk. Unfortunately, Dean Ryan is not here today. He's away watching his beloved Spurs in a relegation dogfight with Manchester United. So you are stuck with me this week as your host, but sure look, we'll, we'll try and make the very best of it. I'm joined by a Race Hour regular, Mr. David Weldon. How are you? How's it going, Dermot? Well? All good. And I'm joined, of course, by ex Cheltenham Festival winning Jockey and all-round nice guy, Paddy Aspel. How are you? How are you, Dermot? All good, all good. It was an absolutely cracking weekend of racing. Uh, Sunday looked like it was going to be brilliant, and it was. It absolutely backed it up in every shape and form of it. Obviously, we were absolutely thrilled here in, in the race hour as Honeysuckle looked absolutely superb when winning the Hatton's Grace Hurdle, beating Bacardi's by nine lengths. Dave, she did it very easily. She's now, she's 10 to one for the champion hurdle. She's seven to four for the mayors. Peter Maloney said last night that he's 95% certain that she will go for the mayors and that he just has a bit of an inkling and a bit of a hope that maybe she could be a champion hurdle horse, but it does sound like the mayors. Were you impressed firstly? And secondly, where would you send her? Yeah, like she was brilliant. Um, she traveled, jumped, quickened, everything you want yeah, over two mile four. Um, the race kind of fell apart with Apple's Jade not showing herself again. Um, but Cardi's kind of holds that form up given he'd, he'd won already this year. Um, and I'd have a rate higher than Benny DeGio at this stage. Um, I think she's achieved more. She's shown up more times um, than Benny has. And I think she's actually rated a pound higher than Benny is now as well, which is, uh, I think is fair. Um, doesn't look like they're going to run at Christmas um, and head towards maybe the Dublin Racing Festival and the Irish Champion Hurdle, or maybe taking a mare's race in between. Um, doesn't really bother me. Well, I was chatting to a few people on Twitter last night and the question came up about her going, um, left-handed around Cheltenham and the fact she hasn't actually done it since doesn't really bother me she never shows any quirks with her jumping or anything like that and she's always straight and true I think she'd be very hard to beat in the Maris Hurdle and I'd, I'd probably go to the Maris Hurdle 7-4 to four as a fair price at the moment knowing how good she is I'd say had she won the Mayor's Novice Hurdle last year, they'd probably be a bit more tempted, wouldn't they? I think now yeah. that they, they kind of want to get that Cheltenham yeah. on her page, you'd yeah, imagine the Mayor's... Exactly. What yeah. Pierre Maloney was saying last night in his article um, was that, like, Kenneth Alexander wants to develop a broodmare breeding system and just to, get a, just to get a Cheltenham win on the page is what all they want, really, at the moment. So, Paddy, are you... Uh, so, it's, it's now the honeysuckle hour, Paddy, and were you as impressed as we were? Yeah, for sure. Um... It was just one of them races where the whole way through, you were always pretty happy. Um, you know, Rachel was happy to, to give her a bit of daylight, but she just pops all the way. And like I said to you a minute ago, Dermo, she just saves petrol. But in fairness, um, she set about her a fair way down. And like the bulk of the what the bulk of horses will do, she doesn't idle or look around or wait for company. When she's asked to go and, and put a race to bed, that's what she does. She's just so straightforward. It's, you know, she must be an absolute pleasure to train and, and an absolute pleasure to ride for, for Rachel. But, um, you know, and I think on the day, was that probably Rachel's biggest winner so far? It's her first open grade one anyway, Paddy, yeah. Yeah, no, re real good effort. And obviously she knows the mare now, like the back of her hand. But, you know, like I said, she's very straightforward. And, and um, 
but that was probably you know certainly up there with one of her best uh, performances so far and and she's she's throwing her hat right in the mix now but i hope they do i used to go down the mayor's route and uh, but even at the price she's at she's she certainly rates good value off the back of that effort at the weekend that's it exactly i mean the way the way she performed uh lads was just she was effortless the one thing about the champion hurdle the only caveat that i would put in there is beating the likes of bacardi's who at the top level has been proven he's not quite at it apples jade the poor mare she just doesn't seem to be at it at all i think next time they're going to reach for headgear for her so honeysuckle was she was outstanding absolutely brilliant you'd still just i'd stick her with the mares this year as much as a fan of the sport i'd love to see her go for the champion hurdle but you'd need to see her do it over two miles and with the actual gap they'll give her now on the break she probably just won't get that will she really like you yeah. know so but otherwise in the car lads we saw another horse who's still unbeaten who looks an absolute superstar and that's m by allen he won the royal bond from the abacadabra as he's called not Ab- abracadabra and the horse is now five to two for the supreme five to two for the ballymore and ten to one for the champion hurdle i can see why people would want him to run the champion hurdle, I personally think it's madness because as as Keith Dunahoo and a few people have said in the past that he is a Gold Cup horse, but Keith Dunahoo wasn't exactly against the idea this week either, uh, Dave. He looks a freak, doesn't he? And would you go to the champion hurdle? Uh, look, he, he's very good. Um, would I go to the champion hurdle with him now? Probably not. Um, like, he, he he does everything you want him to do the champion hurdle. Like, he, he can go with the pace, he can quicken off it and he can stay... But like it's very hard to win a race at Cheltenham, so I would just stick with your own at this stage. I'd probably go Supreme in them though, do exactly what they did on Sunday. Davy sit maybe third in, in a Supreme and just go and then take it up from the second last and stay on up the hill and nothing, nothing will see him, and uh, which way he went because even like Abacadabra came to him and looked like he was going to go past because Davy was starting to get to work, but Envoy just kind of dosed a little bit and kept on going then and, and was comfortable for the couple of lengths win that he had. Um, yeah, so I'd go supreme with Envoy. Yeah, he is. He he has the potential the way he looks at the moment to be our jumps racing Frankel, really, in a way. Like, it's what I found absolutely crazy, Paddy, was just he was dossing in front. Um, Abgadabra is an absolutely brilliant horse. Uh, looks like the two mile division could be his as well if Envoy steps up. But, Paddy, he just he has it all, doesn't he, Paddy? He does. I mean, you just can't picture this horse in a, in a, in a champion hurdle. He's just a big brute, uh, Dermo, isn't he? And, um, but the thing is, Davy Russell popped out in front there. He was able to go his own fractions, and for a big lad, he's very, very quick at his hurdles. But I mean, I think the second he came from a fair way back, I didn't think he hurdled very well at all the other day, Abacadabra. Um, and you know, when Davy was filling up before they turned into the straight, you know, Jack was having to make ground. And he was having to cover more ground as well because he's had to switch out because the lads were going to come around and box him in and his hand got four. So, I mean, to only be beat a length and a half. And for me, I thought he had a, he had a very, very moderate trip round and he didn't jump great. I thought it was a massive run by the second. Look, I'm not saying he would have beat the winner and he's not as, he's not as good a horse as the winner, but with a better trip, we really would have seen how deep you know, I got got a good gauge of how deep Envoy is the other day, even at this early stage of the season. So I do think if Envoy Allen goes down the the um the is it the Supreme he's in? The uh, Supreme and the Ballymore. So he's five to two favourite now for them both, Paddy. Yeah, I mean if but you know, if we can keep these two apart, I think Gordon's other horse, um, you know, in in 
down at the minimum at the two mile. He's going to have a big say as well, but he's just got to be a bit quicker on his feet the other day. It's not like there was 20 runners and he didn't have much room. I just didn't, I wasn't over impressed with the way he hurdled. So he's going to have to sharpen up in that department. But if he does, he, he's a fair horse. But the, probably the best thing about Davy's horse was from the back of the last, once he's pulled it through into his right, and once he gave him one smack, he's rolled around and he still wasn't doing an awful lot in front, but he was still lengthening to the line, which which was the most impressive thing. Yeah, I agree with that, Paddy. Um, it, it, like, as Keith Dunhu said in his, uh, hashtag Keith said, as Keith said in his bookmakers at Cuddy article, he's a, he's a dosser, uh, like in the champion bumper last year as well. He kind of, he let Blue Sari get to him and then kind of lengthened away from him as well. So it's just the kind of horse he is, but we still don't have a clue how, how good he is. Like, I think the only way that this discussion about the champion hurdle comes into effect is he wins next time really well. Andy Dufresne, Fury Road and Abacadabra, they all roll on and keep doing what they're doing. All of a sudden, you know, Gordon Elliott has four, albeit from different owners, but still four brilliant novices that could go over any trip, really, the four of them. And all of a sudden then he's got a decision to make, Dave, because, yeah. it, you know, the champion hurdle becomes a reasonable enough question then, especially with these doubts at the moment over Saldier. You've got, you know, the field... As it is, there's only two or three horses in there that you'd fear. And as Keith Dunhu said, he wouldn't fear anything with Envoy Allen. Yeah, and I take that point. I think if Envoy Allen was actually owned by Gigginstown, it would be more of a question to go to the champion hurdle because Gigginstown wouldn't care if he was beaten in the champion hurdle because he's going chasing next year anyway. So they might as well take their chance. And then they'd have the Supreme with Abercadabra and then they'd have um, Fury Road or whatever for Ballymore. So they'd split the three of them up and have three chances. Whereas given it's... Chivity Park, they probably want to just get that novice hurdle win on the board as they build up their operation over hurdles and, and over jumps and stuff like that. So yeah, that makes sense. I can't really see him going the champion hurdle route. I think Gordon will have learned from previous mistakes, like Swapples Jade not running in the mares last year, and Sam Crow, how big he talked him up when he won at um, Christmas and at the Dublin Race Festival, um, with the talk of going, with, going to Punchestown for the Open Grade 1 at the end of the year. Um, so I, I just think he'll stick to his own at this stage. Yeah, that's fair. And... Speaking of Sam Crow, Paddy, he um, he looked to me like he was all ends up the winner. Fakir Dudery was some sight over those fences. Do you think uh, Sam Crow would have won the race on the day, Paddy? And uh, where do you see them both going afterwards? Um, I mean, it was a hard one, really, wasn't it? Because I think Ruby got absolutely spot on on, on, on the TV because... When they slowed it down, he didn't. He actually made an awful lot of effort at the fence, and he didn't actually. It wasn't hitting the fence that made made him fall. It was almost because he's had to back off it that much and organise himself, which he did, and get his front end up out of the way. It's just momentum has just pitched him out on his nose a little bit, but he's basically just skidded at the back the, the back of the fence and just a very unlucky fall. Uh, you know, you can't say he's hit the deck because he's made a massive effort and really. You know, he didn't. He didn't. Re he didn't actually fall, did he? It was more of a, a very, very harsh "ur" um, by Jack because he just done the splits, really. But um, it was a difficult one because I can't remember what race it was before. But he has loomed up. Um, he has loomed up traveling very well in the past before, and and just sort of let us down a little bit. But. I don't honestly know. Um, I really like the winner. He's all heart. He is. For the size of him, you know, they're two completely different types, aren't they? But um, he really fences very, very well. He's economical. And you can tell by by Mark Walsh after the race, he knew from the word go once he'd popped this horse over a fence at home that he was going to do very well at this job. And 
Um, but look, we're, we're all we're all guessing at the end of the day because we don't know. But um, we just hope that Sam Crow is okay because he certainly looked like he was there with every chance for sure. But we'll never know, Dermot. Fair enough, Paddy. Um, Dave, I thought it was I thought if anything, bar the fall, obviously that uh, Sam Crow enhanced his reputation. In my opinion, I think that was he fell, which is never ideal. I think that this horse was a horse who had a very tough year last year. It all went wrong. He's made his changes. He jumped like a stair. There's absolutely no doubt. But I thought, if anything, he does emerge from that with credit. And that, I think, Fakir Dury is going to take a lot of beating now in an article as well. Yeah, like, first thing first, uh, Fakir Dury is an unbelievable two-mile jumper. Like, he just attacked every single fence. Now, whether he expends a lot of energy doing that, you don't know. Because um, you didn't see how he would have got down and battled dirty with Sam Crow after the, from the back of the second last. Um, so just take Paddy on his point. Like Sam Crow last year traveled to the second last in the WKD hurdle at Down Royal, found nothing. Did the same in the fight in fifth and found nothing, and then did the same at Christmas and found nothing again. So the question is still there. Like Sam Crow, while he jumped adequately for a two mile five, three mile chaser, um, he was very economical. He made up his ground back to Fakir to be within a length between the fences and just popped over his fences. We still don't know if he's fully back. Like what he won at Down Royal, it was Mickey Mouse beginner's nice. chase. Like, um, so hopefully he is back. When I watched it initially, I thought, Grant, he's going to hose up here now. He's going to go by Fakir. Fakir's done too much in front and Sam Crow will win. But it's just that question's been kind of nagging me in my ear the last couple of days that we don't actually know if Sam Crow is fully back because we haven't seen it yet, really. Um, and just the other thing I'd say on it is that... Um, like Fakir Lorena be some side over fences. It'll be absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. An article like like the article JLT and uh, RSA divisions this year at the moment are looking very strong. And you still have the likes of Alaho to come out yet. Maybe Felix Deji over two miles if if they can get him right. You, yeah. You've got a really really hot divisions there um, that are really cultivating now into something quite special. Lorena against Fakir Dudery at Christmas will be some race. Um, moving on now to Newcastle and Paddy. I want to get your thoughts, Paddy. This seemed a freak injury to Bouvier there. It just looked so sore for the, for the poor horse, but he's ran some race in the end. Cornerstone lad, a brilliant bit of placing from Mickey Hammond. Great ride from Henry Brook. You'd be surprised to see him involved again in something like the champion hurdle. He's 33 to 1 for that. But Bouvier there, Paddy, he's, he's ran some race in the end considering the injury he's picked up. Yeah, he really did it. Like you mentioned, Dermot, it's just one of them free things, isn't it? I mean, I, I am a big fan of the padded hurdles and I do wish we had them at, at every track, but it's easy to, to speak after the event. Look, it was one of them things, but uh, obviously it's turned out pretty nasty and we hope, we hope connections can, can get him back. But I mean, even to run cornerstone lad to a short head, it just shows how, how, how good he is. But I mean, I think when you watch the Newcastle card the other day, I mean, the ground was just so bad, um, you know, so testing and holding because they'd had them covers down for a few days and, you know, James Alexander, the, the clerk up there, he does a fantastic job, but the ground was always going to be very stodgy and catching horses' feet. And the majority of races at Newcastle the other day, they were trotting around uh, in front, and we did see a lot of false run races. But nonetheless, Henry Brook, he chanced his arm, and, you know, he took his chance, and he had luck on the side because, obviously, the good horse in second has picked up this injury, but um, and they, they managed to hang on and... and and, and nick a big prize but um on the day you couldn't really gain any conclusions from it because obviously 
our favourite was quite badly injured. And I mean, in the end, um, Silver Streak was fairly comfortably held at three, three and a quarter lengths back. And Lady Buttons for me was was um, a rare but all power effort. So yeah, a bit of a disappointing uh, result on the day. But I think the way the ground turned out at Newcastle the other day, I think we have to sort of take the form with a real pinch of salt because all races on the day were run at at, um, at very steady fractions, Derma. Yeah, Paddy, that's 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 very fair. And of course, all all our thoughts do do go out to Boover there and his team at home. And hopefully, he could be back before the end of the season and, and none the worse next season. And uh, Dave, moving on, uh, Champ, I've got a bit of explaining to do because I took an absolute <laughs> hiding on Twitter for you my did. tweet about Champ, which I will explain afterwards. But first of all, I'm very interested to hear hear your thoughts on Champ. Are you impressed? Would you be a backer a three to one in an RSA from? Um, if you were asking me to back him now at 3-1, to one, I wouldn't. Because I think he'd probably be 3-1 to one on the day. Um, like, his jumping does leave a lot to be desired. Um, he's novice out of fences. He gets from A to B in a strange way. Um, but you can't doubt his engine. Like, any other horse to have to go through what Barry nearly did to him, coming towards the elbow at Newbury, um, would have stopped dead. Whereas he actually probably gained momentum from what happened to him and went away in one by two lengths. Um, so I, I know where you're coming from with his jumping. Like, he throws himself at a fence the odd time and leaves half his half his rear end on it at times as well. Um, so like for me, a 3-1, he, there's no value in that at the moment. Um, I try and find something each way to, to get him beat. But um, if he's 3-1 on the day and he has continued his progression, he could be a lump job. Yeah, that's, that is, that's the complete opposite than how I feel about it at the moment. First time out, I thought he was a bit too, he did too much. And in the last day, I just thought his jumping is just not good enough. That was his second run. I will seem very harsh on him, but that's because he's a horse who's from the very top drawer. So I think to talk about a horse running in grade ones, you have to be harsher than you would be with a horse running in handicaps. You know, yeah. like he's not going to get away with that. As well as that, on Twitter, I called him tripless. Now, Dave, you messaged me straight away after that tweet. And you said to me, I think you've misworded that. And I had, but you can't pull it back then because you no. look like you're, you're deleting tweets. What I mean by triplets with him is that I think as far as the Cheltenham Festival goes, I think it's going to be very hard to pin him down to a proper trip. I think over two miles four, it's a bit, it's not far enough for him. And then I think in an RSA, I think he's too classy and I don't think he'll get home. So I think as far as the Cheltenham Festival goes, I'll be taking him all day long in an RSA. I think he'll do too much. He'll make too many mistakes. And later on, he'll be gasping for air. And then last of all, the race itself didn't, Enthralled me. Um, I thought the Visionary Flow didn't run his race. I thought that the the winner was carried right at the first three fences and afterwards kind of had to bust the gut going home. As much as he he's ran his race, I think that um, that that champ is going to meet much much better horses than Black Op. This is a horse who was kicked out of the way in a stairs hurdle for God's sake. So as far as champ, um, you can only be impressed with his engine. I think he's a super horse who's going to make his connections a lot of money. <laughs> but that three to one for an RSA is is something that, that I'll be taking on all day long. Paddy, were you impressed with Champ? Not really, to be honest, uh, Dermo. I mean, in his defence, I mean, Dashiell Drasher, he got rid of his rider at the first, and he was when he was running loose, he was all over the place, uh, the loose horse. Now, obviously, uh, Champ landed on the back of Dashiell Drasher at the third up the straight, and I think it really unsettled him. Um, you know, because he, he really pitched Gerdy up his neck for a stride or two, and he's done well to, to, to stop on board, really. And, you know, his jumping after that was only average. But, 
you know, you you stopped the race at the back of the ditch um, up the straight last time. I mean, he, he can't win. Um, you know, he's beat. So, in fairness, he showed plenty of guts to come back because I think Black Up, I'm pretty sure he's been away to, to Henrietta Knights to sort his jumping yeah, out. Yeah. Um, you know, and Black Up now that they've done that because last year he was frightening over fences, Black Up, um, around Cheltenham and Nofahili Road. And whereas at Stratford the other day, although it was it, it was only a very ordinary race, he was very, very good on his feet. And at Newbury the other day, he was same thing again. He was good, long, short, uh, you know, a much bigger jump than Hester Stratford. So I think Black Up now that they've straightened him out, although he's eight year old, um, I think he 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 represents a fair sort of he sets a fair standard, Dermo, you know. Mm. Um now the thing is absolutely everything went wrong for Champ the other day and he still managed to win. I mean he nearly went and jumped the water jump um you know in the end and absolutely every he nearly got brought down. Everything went wrong and he still won. So visually you're gonna think, God, that wasn't very pleasant to watch and and you know, but really what you're looking at is he's four to five and he, he should be Gerdy should be looking around him. Um so I think he done plenty wrong and still won. Um, so I've probably got to look at that sort of point um, because, like I say, I think Black Up now that they've straightened his jumping out, he doesn't set a bad standard and he was a length three quarters behind and albeit Champ nearly took the wrong course and Gerardy had to, you know, do all sorts of the running to to to, uh, to get him home. So I don't know, the jury's still out, but I just wouldn't, I wouldn't sack him off straight away just at the minute, Dermot, but I can see your point. That's uh that's fair, Paddy. I'm I'm usually on my own with opinion, so <laughs> I don't mind being, being I don't mind being so once again. Um, as well as that, Paddy, obviously a fellow jockey to yourselves. I thought Ben Jones was outstanding on the Rasher counter in the Labrooks Trophy. Um, he kind of stole one. I thought a bit, Paddy, and the, he had a willing partner under him, but it was a brilliant piece of riding. Yeah, lovely piece of riding, and he, he's he's a real nice rider, isn't he? But obviously, confidence is massive in any sport, Dermo, and. Um, but he's a lad who's on the rise very quick and luckily because he is having a bit of luck he's getting on these nice hard I, I don't think a weekend has gone by where he's, he's not had a nice Saturday winner now in the, in the last month or so um, but fair play when he was given the opportunity of, of a big one again the other day he didn't let connections down and you know he's, he's very very well able and, and Emma Lavelle she's certainly been one of the first ones to to uh, to cop on to that fact and fair play she had him on board the other day and, and uh, but no so far he's looked very very good and, and he speaks very well yeah which is obviously Paddy that's that, that's a side of um of being a jockey that kind of we don't see all that often because this is obviously in the parade ring before and after a race and how important is it Paddy for these young jockeys to realise how important it is to be able to talk because you can obviously explain your way out of a bad ride every now and then too I suppose can't you <laughs> well I, I just think because some owners like less is more with some owners, but with the bulk of them, they like you know a good explanation because obviously they weren't on the horse's back. But you know the horse is their baby, cost them a lot of money. They want in depth. They want to find out every every nook and cranny. But you know, so if a jockey can engage with an owner and you know you can you can get some sort of relationship, it can only help. And plus, having a bit of personality is massive. I'm not saying. Every jockey needs to be on there for 20 minutes, you know, making everybody laugh. But just having a nice way about you and being able to speak, people can really take to you. And, and it's it's more of a word of mouth thing, Dermo, because people say, yeah. oh, did you see that guy talking? He, he came across real well, seems like a nice lad. And to be honest, even if you don't write as well as other lads, you'd be amazed where it would get you. <laughs> Thank, Thank God, you. Paddy. Yeah, so 
it's no wonder, Panisha, that's, that, that's always a great sign of anybody. And um, Dave, I wrote down here next to, uh, to Paisley Park, job done. I think that's all it was, really, wasn't it? Yeah, like you'd imagine he was only about 80% fit, and Tisscrack probably the same, and they've cleared right away from the world's end, who would probably have been 100% fit, so they're miles ahead in the division. Um, strangely, Paisley Park didn't really hit his flat spot as much as in uh, towards the back end of last year. Um, and I've seen a quote made in Coleman saying that he hopes he hits it in the future because that means he's, he's still there. Like, um, <laughs> but to give Tisco crack six pounds and probably at the same level of fitness is a fair performance. And um, if he shows with March, it's job done, yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And the whole division's really does scream that it's wide open for him yeah. again, doesn't it? it? Yeah, big time. Yeah, definitely. And Paddy, he's, um, he's a really likeable horse, uh, but Paisley Park, he just keeps on winning. That's a, a real dream horse for the Lavelle team that's obviously had a great weekend. Yeah, they did. They had a real good weekend. And I'll tell you what I was impressed with Dermot because I've not that I've cribbed him, but I've always said that when he when he gets in front, he doesn't jump, he doesn't hurdle uh, as well. I mean, all them races we've seen him win, you know, the cleave, um, and even when he, when he won it out them, he starts the dots and he kicks the last hurdle out of the ground because he, he's not looking where he's going. But the other day, he looks like he's matured and trained on, and he was much more grown up about putting his race to bed. And um, no, he's he's he's, he's Thank God he's came back and looked as good as ever and very, very exciting, as I'm sure Aidan Coleman is as well. Yeah, of course, of course, which is absolutely huge. Speaking of horse that did not jump well, and hopefully we can all agree on this, was a reserve tank, Dave, who's disappointed me so far. I know the horse needs good ground, which is what they keep saying, so his jumping can be explained partially by that, but he just hasn't looked the same horse as last season whatsoever. Danny Wisbang, that was a brilliant piece of training to get him ready first time out over fences by Paul Nichols and he's now a 20 to 1 shot for the RSA do you like the winner and what's your take yeah, on the, the second the winner was good in the day um, it's a hard race to weigh up because like reserve tank was awful really um, he was all over the place and like if you're looking for good ground and a horse you shouldn't be running them this side of Christmas like you should be trying to preserve him for the race later on in the year um, they picked up a fair bit of prize money as well I suppose because it was only a three winner race um, but then he was bang with very good Um it's, 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 I have it written down here in front of you that it's hard to weigh up how good it was because Reserve Tank was so bad yeah. um, and Reserve Tank is due a grade one winner albeit at the back end of last year um, so I, I need to see it again to be honest to see Danny Wisbank come out and do it again um, we've seen a few Nichols horses over the years come out and amaze us all on Chase debut and then kind of disappoint um, at the big festivals so it's a watching watching brief for me at the moment Danny Wisbank yeah that, that's Absolutely more than fair. And Paddy, they're, they're going to have to draw up stumps with this reserve tank if he keeps jumping like this, won't they? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised though, you know, at all, Dermot, if they if they got him home and found found an issue because I've never, I can't say I've noticed this going left thing. I mean, he certainly didn't do it at Wing Canton. Um, we were, I just thought he was too fresh and gassy and it was a horrible race at, at Chepstow on his reappearance. Um, and he was always, I, I, I was I was happy to put a line through that straight away because just enough went wrong that day and, and um, when Jarvis played, beat him. But at Wincanton, I thought he looked good. I mean, I'm just looking down to his form, you know. I mean, although he has one going left-handed, he's only won once going left-handed. All his other form is going right-handed. Um, but, like I said, I wouldn't be in the least surprised, and I hope they do. Um, get him home uh, after the weekend and just found something niggly because the other day he was doing it from the get-go this jumping lefting and his jumping was just very very average and, and he never looked comfortable it didn't look the same horse so 
Um, I'm hoping it was just a rare bad day, and and there is there was a slight little niggle that that, that got him beat, but he was certainly disappointing. That's for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely, definitely. And anything else from the week, Dave? That we haven't mentioned that it was into your notebook. Do you want the long list or the short list? <laughs> short list. <laughs> right. So uh, the first race on Friday at Newbury, I thought was a race that uh, looks a race to follow. The first four should come out and win. Um, Son of Camas, King Roland. Uh, Trin Kamale and As for Glory especially who finished fourth for Paul Nichols on only his third start um, in the 120 on the Friday it sure is for Nicky Henderson ran a grand race to finish second um, giving up experience and race fitness to the Oliver Sherwood horse uh, Severano then a ferry house on Saturday Avenue Dun V won nicely um, just interesting that it was bought by Gordon from Giganstown from Henry de Bromhead stable um, and I think seen Gordon with a quote saying that he bought it on the recommendation of Eddie O'Leary. So it just might be interesting to follow that plot line given the dispersal of Gigginstown coming up in the next few years. And then in the next maiden hurl, Gordon had a nice winner in, in Conflated and January Jets finished second. They were well clear of Sempo, who ran well in the Cheltenham bumper last year. And they went off big prices, so they weren't fancied. And they just to run like that, and they were well clear of Sempo in third place. It's just once to note. And then on Saturday, I thought downtown getaway. Like he was punted and punted, and then for good measure, he was punted some more on top of that. And um, went off 15 to 8 in a really competitive handicap hurdle. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he came back and had, had a wind operation because, like, he was there four out and just dropped away tame, t- tamely in the end. Um, Snow Leopardus in the same race was coming back from a two year, ep- two year absence for Charlie Longson, and she ran a nice race to finish ninth. Epitant's Ran well, won well, um, seemed to take a step forward from last year. So one to keep on side. That was in 225 at Newbury. And then just in the lab book with a view to the entry national. I know it's a while away yet, but Beware the Bear, Beware the Bear ran a nice race to finish fourth there. And I think the probably target entry, won the Chatham Festival last year, won the ultimate. Um, and I think he's just an admirable horse. You can kind of do it whatever way he wants and he always seems to end up there. Um, and then two Tafts should be winning races this year as well. Drop back to two five probably. He ran, ran well in the Labrook, but kind of fell away towards the end. Absolutely perfect, Dave. Yeah, I know there's there's absolutely ample there. And I thought Conflated uh, was mentioned once again by Keith Dunn, who in the bookmakers article this week, and what he said basically was that um, this horse, because of, of the amount of brilliant novices there, like Andy Dufresne and Fury Road, as we've mentioned before that um, he could end up in something like the Martin Pipe, but you'd imagine him going off very short in the Martin yeah, Pipe he would, yeah. if he ended up in that. Uh, Paddy, was there anything else to catch your eye? Uh, there was three quick ones, Dermo. I thought we mentioned him last week. That performance by the Cashman at Newbury was, I mean, he won by 10 lengths, made all. Um, now, I mean, I know he had a lovely racing with 10 stone six, but he was the horse that we mentioned, very, very low mileage. And but that was a hell of a performance, and for a seven-year-old, you know, he it certainly isn't over-raced. And I thought he put a fairly tidy field to bed there. Um, and the Kasha man, he he's he's got a real real big day in him. Um, I thought the horse of Joseph's was quite nice in the bumper on Sunday, Eric Bloodaxe, because you watch him going down to the start, he was very a big raw bumper horse. I mean. Tom Hamilton had a job just to get him to the start. He was a bit raw and green. And, but I thought, you know, the favourite, Fernie Hollow, in second, you know, he went off pretty skimpy on the day. But even as green as he was, Eric Ludax, that was a hell of a good performance. He ended up winning by, by two and a half lengths. And, you know, I, I still don't think he's very clued up and, and really knows what's required of him. And 
although he cost a few quid, he'll come on even bundles from that. So I thought he looked good. And the other horse, I mentioned I mentioned him before as well last year, Derma. I, I really want to get this horse one day, is this Monlino of McManus's Paul Nolan's horse. The other day, he popped up again. Now, generally, when they want this horse, Mark Walsh is on board. Now, Slippers was on the other day. And whether he ran too well, I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 he was clipped in a little bit uh, from 20s into 16s, but he ran a cracker now back over fences. Um, in that three mile five race at Fairy House on Sunday, he was only beaten a length and three quarters. But for me, Monlino, if they get his mark right and on the day, they've got a real, real nice handicap in this horse. But like I said, MP Walsh's name has got to be beside him, <laughs> um, and, and the money is down. Um, so, so they were the three for me, Dermot. Perfect, Paddy. Yeah, and speaking of the Cashelman, it was another good week winners wise for the race hour because Dean Ryan put up um, Epitant and the Cashelman. We also put up Magic Saint and Honeysuckle. So this uh, run of form continues. Um, it can't last much longer because we are uh, we are we tend to struggle in that department, but not this year. And I had two to note as well. I thought the wave of the sea is not a horse to give up on. I thought uh, Cerberus kind of tapped him for toe in that race. Wave of the sea had to give him weight, but I think in the triumph, I would not be surprised at all to see a wave of the sea turn that form right around because he just seems to have a bit more stamina in his bank. And um, a race like that will kind of bring that to the fore a little bit more. And the other one in that race, as Paddy mentioned, Monolino, I think there's a horse in there called Ask Susan, who's an absolute winner in waiting. Um, didn't quite stay the three miles five, but jumped an awful lot better, which has been this horse's problem. This horse has been punted um, an absolute plethora of occasions. And Ask Susan, when she goes down and trip from that three miles five to something like three miles, maybe two and a half, I think there's a handicap waiting in her because she's on a mark that is just absolutely ripe for the picking. We are the Race Hour Podcast, and we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-up offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. And welcome back to the Hashtag Race Hour podcast. I'm your host, Dearman Nolan. Again, just bear with me now for the second half of the podcast because uh, Dean is away once again. So uh, so we'll move on now to uh, to the weekend preview. Of course, there's uh, plenty of tips and hopefully the um, red hot runner form of the Race Hour podcast can continue. We'll start off with the 150 at Sandown on Saturday. This is the Henry VIII Novice Chase. Torpedo is your favourite at 9-4. to four. And Dave, what's your thoughts on the race? Yeah, it looks a good race on paper now. Hopefully they all turn up. Um, like Dan Skelton, to me, would seem like to hold the key. Um, he's Nube Negra and uh, Marie Brand were there. I can't imagine Beakstown will run. It looks odds on that he won't run. Um, but like, it's Sandown, given the way it is, like it's kind of suited for front runners. And if Marie Branra can get away on the front end, um, she might be hard to peg back. And the form was let down by Thomas Darby the last time. Um, so you don't know how good that form is, but she's getting weight. Are they going to run Grant Sansi here, are they? I'd imagine after Danny Wisbang, they might be tempted now. Yeah, because, you know, like, it's they, a funny they one. They, go, they, yeah. gave, they gave her two runs over hurdles this year already, and then they're going into a graded novice chase. Um, doesn't seem right. But I thought Somerville Boy was probably the most likely winner. Um, good reappearance ahead of first flow. 
for slow is kind of run out and breathe again behind Angel's breath. So there's a line of form there. He's the highest rated in the field. Um, I think probably should be favourite. And the 130 on offer out there is a fair price for Somerville boy. That's absolutely fair enough, Dave and Paddy. Yeah, it's interesting because the mare down the bottom, she's also got an entry at the entry, hadn't she, in that mare's race? Um, because, like, there was absolutely no fluke about the, the Warwick win, you know. Because um, I was working that day, and in fairness, I really fancied her. And the one thing about her is she is absolutely mustered to jump. And now, I know Ollie Murphy's horse had disappointed again since Thomas Darby, but... Nonetheless, she looks a very, very good mare, and but she does have that entry, and you'd be thinking maybe if she can go and take her own sex on at at entry, they might just possibly aim her there. And and I, I don't, Harry is actually jocked up on uh, Nude Negra in the same race, so I would think that that's the option they're going to take. But even the other the, the, the other uh, skeleton horse, I mean, so far in his two starts this year, he's been ultra impressive, albeit. You know, the last time it was it was a fake in him. But one thing about this horse is Dermo. He just travels. Like, I mean, Harry Harry can hardly hold him the whole way around. Um, but he's very, very good on his feet. Uh, Warwick, he won by three lengths on debut. And then I fake in him the last. I was only five, only five runners. He absolutely smashed him by 10 lengths. And, and you know, Harry Skelton was, was looking around him. But um be interesting to see because... He isn't um Somerville Boy is rated a pound higher. Now that Somerville Boy or Somerville Boy form, that's not bad form because we spoke about Kim Bailey's horse that he beat at your talk show last time, first flow. Obviously he ran a series race at Ascot the other day where I thought he was given you know, a fair he was set a fair stiff task by Dave Bass on the day when he he ran in uh it was Al Dancer's race, wasn't it? Yeah. Angel's breath. Angel's breath, sorry. Yeah. Angel's breath. So, I mean, that's not actually bad form, um, really. But for me, I've just been very, very impressed with the skeleton horse, the way he's gone around in both his races. I think he jumps so, so well. And he's such a strong traveler that, you know, he, Harry Skelton has got a, he's got a big advantage over some of his rivals here. Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, Dean Ryan all week has been talking about this uh, torpedo um, here in the office and he's massively keen is on Dean, him. Is Dean uh, Simon Ayers right man? <laughs> I, I think so, but at 9-4, to four, I can see the, the basis there. I think this horse could just be head and shoulders above these, beat Mr. Fisher and Lisp last time, which is, is very decent form. I completely respect Nube Negra. I respect them all there, obviously, but I just think a torpedo could just be that step above these but at nine to four um obviously he'd want to be but he's um him to me now he does look the the best of this of the race he, but he he was good on his feet at warwick uh to be fair uh dermo and obviously he's four year old he, he's going to get the allowance off of um off his older rivals here but certainly couldn't jump him wise because warwick is a fair test on your debut and you know he was he was um he was very very good he was very good and he beat a good horse there as well in Mr. Fisher. So hopefully now that, yeah. that that form can come to the fore because I think 9-4 to four about him is decent. And moving onwards now to the 225 at Sandown. This is the uh, Jumeirah Hotels and Resorts December Handicap Hurdle. Malaya, who of course won here last year, is your 6-1 to one favorite. This looks a really interesting race, Dave. I think Malaya myself takes a, a bit of stopping. That was a decent race that he won last time. 
Um, you've got some some very decent horses with there, like Speridic back in six. You've got Monster Lecoq. They're running a huge race. At Cheltenham, you've got Call Me Lord, Storm Rising. It does look a very strong renewal, but who have you landed on? Yeah, it's a typically competitive Sandown sand uh, handicap hurdle. Um, I had it between three. Two are kind of just to watch the market. They're both kind of 16, 14 to one at the moment. Uh, John Constable, who is too well handicapped to ignore completely at the moment. Um, he's down to 130 mark over hurdles and he's been running off 155 for the last couple of years. Um, so he could be of interest if there's any money for him on the day. And one of Gary Moore, who loves having winners at Sandown, and that's uh, Agil Rogue, who's off a mammoth layoff about 700 days. So like, he's about 16 to one as well. It'd be interesting if they run him here. He ran in a couple of juvenile hurdles a couple of years ago in, in good company. Um, he's just 16 to one as well. But the main one I've landed on is Harry Skelton's uh, Protectorat. Um, he is on a second run after wind up now. He finished just headed in his re season reappearance behind the Nicky Henderson horse when taking the lead 50 yards before the line, then got headed right on the line. He should improve again for having the wind up. Um, now he knows that he's able to breathe again. He ran in Fusel Raffles at Donis last year and Factor Dairies. January Cheltenham win and um, was sent off a 5-2 favour for the JCB trial, Triumph trial um, at the back end of 2018. He's on a mark of 128, so he's on a lovely dangerous mark. I, I have a feeling he's much better than that and at about 7-1 he will do for me. That, that makes absolutely perfect sense. So it's a protector act for, for Mr. David Weldon. And Paddy? Yeah, I thought the skeleton horse, he was unlucky. He just got nabbed on the line. Uh, they put the, had the first time hood on him last time and, and um, probably could have just done with a lead a little bit further up the track. Obviously, stiff old finish there, but he just got nabbed on the line by, by one of Nicky's. But, you know, very, very low mileage. Only had the five starts over hurdles, although he's he's yet to um, he's yet to win over obstacles. He really hasn't done an awful lot wrong. And he was, he was unlucky the other day and he was well-backed on the day as well. But there's a horse in here... We've, I think we've spoke about before, Dermo, um, of Evan Williams's Mac the Man. I thought the last day round Warwick when he won, um, he had top weight, but he got a typical Adam Wedge ride. He's a lovely, sympathetic rider and really minds these horses of Evans going forward. You know, I was speaking last week about as far as stable jockeys go and, and Kim, Bailey, Kim Bailey having Dave Bass as a stable jockey. For me, if I was Evan Williams... I, I would think to myself, I've got a, a really good stable jockey in Adam Wedge because he rides the horses with the future in mind. Um, and, you know, he looks after them because you've got to remember, you know, we're only in November. Uh, you know, it's it's a long winter for these horses. And Adam Wedge, he was absolutely mustered on this horse at Warwick the last day. Nursed him, nursed him, nursed him. And with 11-12 on his first run since March, he just nursed him as far as he could. And then from the back of the last, once he knew he had the race run, just nudge him home and and that was a very very tidy run he has got more on his plate obviously on saturday but he's going to have 10 stone one if the top one is declared and for me he's only he's only a five-year-old this is only his sixth start under rules so for me i'd be happy to be with mac demand but he's obviously got to improve again but i can see him doing it yeah and he's off a lovely race racing weight as well there paddy yeah the the two i liked in this as i've said were malaya i think this this horse just looks another typical Paul Nichols Saturday winner. Um, isn't up all that much now for that last win and just just that performance that day just really showed a loving for the track, which is very important. And I think Malaya should be taking a lot of stopping. But there's one here as well at 12 to 1 who I find very interesting for, 
Paul Weber. It's a horse who's obviously been quite difficult to train, but it's Guafa. Uh, last time out in September, a Salisbury won off a mark of 85. Still well-weighted in regards to hurdles. Was third in one of those uh, summer hurdles at um, at market raising, the big race there. And also then went off favourite ahead of Hargam and just got injured that day because it was off 700 days afterwards. This is a horse who's... Uh, Obviously, won in the 80s on the flat is rated here in the 130. So there could well be be more to come. Just be very interesting now if he was declared and the money started to come there because Guafa looks a horse who could just be a lot better than his mark. But as we speak, I still think Malay will take an absolute world of stopping there. And moving on now to the to the biggest race of the weekend. This is of course the Tingle Creek. Uh, Defi Desai, who looks a bit of a freak, lost in translation, just keeps franking that form from. Shellam last year won't have it all its own way though obviously because it's got Undersoul, Politologue, maybe Soreal, Janika and waiting patiently a horse who we've had to be very patient to actually see so Paddy who did you fancy here? Um, I mean I thought Defi was very very good last time obviously we've not um, we've not seen Undersoul for 221 days and then obviously we have um waiting patiently who he's always been a little bit of an early horse but one thing I will say is that Ruth Jefferson she's actually been taken along not too badly um this winter you know because she's another one of them stables very very hard to get a gauge on because she doesn't have many runners um so we're always a little bit in the dark as to where the string are at but on what she's run this winter uh so far She's not done too badly at all. They've had to mind this horse and, and go steady with him, but he's got an awful lot of ability, this eight-year-old waiting patiently. I'd love to see him run a big, big race here. But definitely Desai, it was a little bit of a disappointing spectacle, wasn't it, at Chetlam last time. But still, nonetheless, um, although it did turn into a bit of a sprint, he was the best horse on the day. We know how, how well he acts at Cheltenham, but he's also won as we know here at Sandown as well. So off the back of that, I would struggle to be against him because, you know, six-year-old, for me, he looks as good as ever, Dorma. Yeah, I completely agree, Paddy. I think as well, Undersoul and Politologue might end up turning this into a bit more of a stamina race over two miles, which will only play to his cause. Dave, what's your thoughts? Yeah, and no, I agree with most of that. Like, Defi should win and an all-known form probably will win. Um I just think the race is going to cut up a little bit more. I can't see waiting patiently running here. Um, he's entered in the Peterborough Chase on Sunday. He's also entered in the John Dirk and like the Peterborough Chase probably make more sense for him, um, given the trip and also the probably lesser quality. Janika's also entered in that. I could probably see him running there as well. Um, I don't, don't think Janika is a two-miler. So with that in mind, and definitely most likely winner, I'm looking to try and get something at a big price in the places. And two bookies are going three places still on this race. Um, so Ornua at 33 to 1, um, three places is the bet for me at the moment. I had a bit on it yesterday. Um, Aidan Coleman's already jocked up. Henry loves this this race. And if you actually look at Ornua's um, record, he's only actually finished outside the tree once um, in 11 races over fences and won a great one at Aintree last year. Um, so like always runs his race, runs to the line. And over two miles, I think he might just get the maddest here early on. And I think Cornua at 33 is, is probably too big a price, given the race is likely to cut up. Cut up. And maybe quite badly, Dave. It's, uh, I don't agree, but I love the uh, the mad <laughs> approach, as always. Um, it's a pure Dermot Nolan, each way scumbag bet. <laughs> each, each way scumbag bet, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the 335 at Sandown, this is the last race we will look at. 
on this card. It's a race I always love. It's the London National over three miles and five furlongs. Classic Ben is your six to one favourite. Paddy, it doesn't get much tougher than this. Yeah, I'm the same as you, Dermo. I do enjoy these races. We see some old course regulars here, but I think Venetia's horse, Hoobland is but just looking back to his form last night, although she's done very, very well with him, generally he comes up short when he is out of veteran company. Um, so in against younger legs here and with 12 stone on his back, I think he might just come up short. There was, there was a couple in here I liked. As far as my selection, I thought Captain Catastock, that was a good run last time for the Paul Nichols team. Um, and he looks to be progressive. He's only six years old. And Lucy Wadham is a trainer who does like to target these races as well. And she's got a couple of regulars here in Shanro Santos and Potter's Legend. I think Shanro Santos, he was quite nicely fancied to win at Fontwell last time, a race I think he won last year, but he hit a flat spot and stayed on quite nicely in the end. Um, but he's 10-year-old now, Shanro Santos, so I actually preferred her stable mate here, Potter's Legend. I thought that was a real good effort three weeks ago, and off 10 stone nine, I thought he, he had a pretty good chance, but I, I was going to stick with the Nichols horse because he he's got time on his side, Captain Catastock. Yeah, and I think Dean Ryan must have been reading your notes because he messaged me this morning to say that he wanted that horse mentioned as well from him on this podcast because he really fancies Captain Cottespot. Uh, Dave? Um, if I'm backing in this race, I've either had a very good day or I've had an absolute shocking day. I can't really make head or tail of it. I thought um, Sharp response for Sue Smith was interesting around 10 to 1. 10 to one but um, it'd be very tensive for me. Like, like Sue Smith just needed to run a couple of times to get going. Um, she took winners a couple of weeks ago and like he was 10 lengths behind that Creve Hill that Dean likes the last time and step up and trip would probably suit um, so share response at 10s for me but very very tentative yeah I've um, I've backed two in this around the same odds I've backed Royal Vacation who I thought really wanted a staying trip like this in the Badger Ales last time when third behind you give me a copper that was a huge run and he's a weight carrying horse so the, the high weight here will not bother him whatsoever and I completely agree with Paddy I think Potter's Legend will run an absolutely huge race again big third last time behind West Approach was probably just a bit tapped for speed didn't have it at the end but he'd be staying here all day long he's ran very good races in staying races like this like the Kim Weir at Cheltenham and I think um, Potter's Legend at 9 to 1 as well should take an awful lot of stopping we'll move on now to, uh, to Aintree and there is the uh, the 130 which is the Beecher Handicap Chase this is our a really good race and it's um it's Mulcahy's Hill is your eight to one favourite there. Again, Paddy, I said in the last race it doesn't get much tougher than the London National. Well, we found a race straight away that, that is a bit tougher. This is uh it's some competitive race, Paddy. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Um I thought it was a very good train performance by Warren Greatrex to get this horse back winning again, because obviously he he ran in the in the four miler, didn't he, at at Cheltenham and he hasn't been an easy horse to train I think um, that's a point that Warren Greatrex has made in the past he is he flashes his tail a lot under pressure and he actually flashed his tail when he got off the mark for the season at Cheltenham last time but nonetheless I thought he looked back he, he looked back as well as ever and Warren Marston interviewed after made the point that this horse has really grown up um over the summer and he just found him a whole different horse to train this time around and although he only won by a neck you know he beat holstone i thought it was pretty tidy form um he, he's a fairly high class horse who really because he has been quite difficult 
to train and keep right. For a seven-year-old, we really haven't seen that much of him. So if uh, he keeps going forward for connections off a mark of 144, they could have a little bit of rope to play with with, with this fella, Dermot. But obviously, he's got to jump around here. But in the past, I know he did fall at Cheltenham, but he's looked pretty decent on his feet, to be fair. And I, I just think he's certainly one of the, the less exposed horses in the lineup here. That's Yeah, that's that, that seems a decent shout. And Dave? Yeah, um, I really fancy v, uh, Villian Rouge here. Um, like his national defences record speaks for itself. He's finished seventh in the national, sixth in the national, seventh in the national, fifteenth in the national, and then in the beach, he's finished first, second, and seventh. Um, he's getting gotten around every time over these fences, which is kind of what you look for. Um, straight off the bat, he's around ten to one, which I thought was very fair. Now, in fairness, the key to this race really is if Definitely Red and Alpha Zobo run because they keep the weights down for everything else, and if they run. Uh, Villian Rouge we running off with 10 to 12 on his back which probably hasn't run off for a couple of years now so we feel like he's running free um, and I think with that in place at around 10 to 1 he's probably each way better in the race for me yeah that's that. That's a fair shout um, obviously there's a few horses here that can help that horse weight wise one for Arthur obviously has to be noted as well the ex-grand national horse you'd imagine now that they they won't be looking after his mark for much longer it's just a case now of trying to get whatever wins you can into that horse um i'm always very careful of this race as well because there is some horses that will be here to get experience over the fences as opposed to actually win the race um so for that reason i always tend to look at the bigger odds and one has caught my attention at 66 to 1 this is a gold opera for keith Daglish. Um, 10 years old so we kind of know where we stand with him but off a mark of 125 does just interest me because in these races as I said a lot of the horses can just be there to to get the experience not particularly to win the race um, this horse was fourth in at the Aintree Festival last year at 50 to 1 behind Kildazart he has a very big run in him sometimes these fences can just light up a horse like him he'll be running from out out of the handicap if he gets in which he should because you'd imagine a few will come out and Keith Daglish, he's a really, really shrewd trainer. Um, Adam Nichols already jocked up. He'd be running off next to no weight and a 6-6 to 1. It just wouldn't surprise me altogether if this horse hit the frame and he's big enough odds that, you know, you can be happy to find that out anyway. And the other one that I quite liked was Kimberlite Candy at 16 to 1. This is a horse running for Ben Haslam. He's a trainer that I have a lot of time for. He tends to bring back horses like this that just kind of tend to go off the boil. That was a really good place effort behind Classic Ben last season. We know that this horse will definitely stay because it was running an absolute blinder in the Eider at Newcastle. And that extra half a mile over those four miles trip just kind of rather killed him. And I think that in a race like this, jumps very well and could be very interesting at 16 to 1. But Gold Opera is the one that I've backed so far at 66s. Moving on now to the 240 at Aintree. This is the, the Many Clouds chase. Um, this looks like it could be an absolutely... Cracking uh, renewal here with the likes of Native River and My Bite set to renew their absolutely famous rivalry in that Gold Cup in 2018. I'm kind of keen to take these two on, Dave. Um, I can see why you would be. Um, like My Bite hasn't really done it since that Gold Cup and you'd imagine Native River will have targets later on in the year. Um, like Definitely Red won this race last year. Black Horton's been running in handicaps off big weights and then Charlie Hall and stuff like that. Um, and the rest are kind of 
much and much. And so I don't know where you're going taking them on, but um, <laughs> I think my bite... And they get six pounds off them as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my bite is probably the bet in the race. Um, as I said, Native River probably have targets later on in the year where my bite, he's raising 11 now in the new year. Um, they kind of need to know where they are with him. So I'd say he's fairly grilled and drilled, ready to go to tour for this race. And 9-2, to two, um, you could probably have a little... Each way saver on that at nine to two, I think is a fair price for my bite. I think hopefully you'll run well and show us all all bigger again. Yeah, it's a kind of a race where I'd be keen to take them on, but there's kind of nothing there to take them on with. So I think this is a race where I'll be I'll be grabbing a cup of tea. And what's your thoughts, Paddy? Um, I just think my bite. That's three poor runs uh, the last three times we've seen him now. Um, so the jury will be out a little bit for me with him. I wonder. Maybe not for his reappearance, but Colin Tizard always mentioned about putting a set of blinkers on Native River, didn't he? Yeah, always did. Uh, you know, so whether now first go around they're going to go with um, some blinkers because I mean, he's had cheap pieces on. I'm just looking down. They've had they've persisted with cheap pieces now for over three years. Um, now, certainly in the Gold Cup, he only ended up nine and a quarter lengths behind Album Photo, but he never went astride for Dickie that day. And, you know, only for he had someone like Dickie Johnson on his back, you know, who, who can push and drive for three miles. You know, he wouldn't have got nowhere near as close. So whether it be on, on at the weekend or not, um, they'll put the blinkers on. It'd be interesting to see. But I think as soon as they do, although he's nine, I think he'd find another leg, this fella, for, for a pair of blinkers. Uh, he, he's just got very, very bone idle. But if he's fit and ready to go, and he has got a fairly good record, fresh Native River, and he's getting weight, um, you know, off his rivals here. And apart from Aso, who's rated 168, you know, he, he's rated higher than all of them. So he's quite nicely in the weights here. Just be interesting to see where we're at. I mean, obviously, I know it's no good to, to, to listeners now, but... You'd want to have a have a good look at him on the day and obviously see if Colin declares him with a pair of blinds on because if he does, I'd say he'd take a fair bit of beat in this chap. Yeah, and that is that's very very true, and it's um, it looks like an absolutely cracking renewal nonetheless. Just to hopefully see these horses bounce back from what was a very tough year last year on the three fifteen on entry. This is the last race that we'll cover there. This is the Grand Sefton. I fancy Gwen Silly Burbas, Dave, because I think that um, Eric, <laughs> Eric McNamara is one of these trainers. He had a placed horse in the Beecher back in 2015 with Dare to Endeavour. Whenever he sends a horse here, I'm always interested in them. This horse was very well punted last time at Punchestown and just uh, came down when a very unlucky unseat. And I think this horse has it in him. The a trainer is one of the real, real shrewdies. And whilst there's obviously better horses like Flying Angel, who is your five to one favourite and who kind of might still be on a good mark because he went off the boil for so long. But I'm happy to chance Gwen City Burvis at 33 to one. Yeah, I can see see where you're coming from, uh, Dermo. I had him down on my shortness last night when I was going through the race. Um, I don't really like the top of the market. Like, touch kick has never really done it in a big field. Casablanca mixed running off top weight. And again, is kind of a, a small field bully. Um, flying Angel like Goal Present has loads of issues jeez I wouldn't yeah. go near him but Dean loves him yeah, now yeah. Uh, he's this, a yeah. bleeder and a non-trier and everything um, and Ultra Gold is what 25 years old now or something like that <laughs> he's um, some pony though to be fair yeah he is in yeah. fairness yeah. Um, so like I was struggling looking towards down the bottom of the market and there's a few that are multi-entered with entries in the beach and also in the London National as well um, so it's hard to know what's really going to run 
Um, it's, yeah, can see your angle with Gwen where I was kind of was brought down more so than Netting at Punchestown five out when he wasn't probably wasn't going to win, but he probably wasn't done with either. Um, but the one I've kind of come down with is Philip Hobbs and Richard Johnson's uh, Cave Adventure. Now this horse is was back off a seven month break last time out banger and finished a, a grand third in a poor enough race probably. Um, but it was probably a pipe opener with a view to this in some sense as well. And when he's run over over fences or hurdles, he's run 15 times, he's placed 11 times. So 16 to one, that's a fair strike rate to get in the money. And you probably get four places as well, maybe even five in some places. So Cave Adventure for me, it's 16 to one. That makes absolutely perfect sense. It was well put across there. And uh, and Paddy? Well, obviously, Nigel Twiston, he, he loves these races, doesn't he? The Beecher and the Grand Sift and uh, things like that. And I mean, that wasn't a bad effort by Flying Angel the last day because I didn't think he'd done at all badly behind Forrest Behan on his reappearance at Aintree. He was fairly lazy that day, but in fairness, he stayed on quite well, albeit uh, well beat. But I mean, he won by eight lengths at Ascot the last day and seen Sam Twiston in an interview at Suttle the other day. He was quite hopeful with this chap. Um, it's just the only thing here is Casablanca Minks isn't jocked up and she has got other entries over the weekend as well it'd be interesting to see if she does turn up um i would agree with what dave says she has just been doing it in small fields but been doing it very very nicely but whether nikki would be happy to take on the boys here carrying 11 stone 12 it'd be interesting to see because she has got a couple of other options at the weekend so i think flying angel in a race that that nigel twist really does like to target would have a massive chance He's got form around the track as well. And the other one I wanted to give a mention to as well was Henry Oliver's 10-year-old Kilaro boy. That was a real good effort last time. He's very, very consistent, this horse. He does have to do it the hard way from the front, but if the top weight is declared here, he'll have a lovely racing with a 10 stone nine with Liam Hurd on board. But um, for me, flying angel, he, he he ticks enough boxes for me, Derma. Yeah, Paddy. And again, he beat the, uh, the ultimate hipster horse last time in in Sky Pirate and he did it quite well so he is the the kind of a horse that he's only on a mark of 146 now he probably is better than that so you can definitely see that why so um again so that's that's Aintree boxed off so then we move on to Sunday it's only one race in the Sunday that I wanted to cover and that is the John Durkin Min has been absolutely smashed over the last day or so he is now your five to four on favorite presenting Percy has also moved in in the market and is now your nine to two second favorite this race all of a sudden has got very interesting Dave, do you think Min will be hard to stop? Ah, uh, yeah, like he, on all long form, he should be winning it. Even if presenting Percy showed up, it's the wrong trip for him. Um, like Min won it very well last year, and really this is his trip to two mile four. Um, like real steel, like you'd have to say real steel is probably not good enough to win a race like this. And Duke yeah. de Geneva was Agreed. very disappointing the last day. Um, Monley, it's not his trip. Snow Falcon, it's not his trip. And by Fly, he's only out to see the track. Um, so the only opposition you can have to win for me is Shattered Love at 13 to 2 and like on the day I'll probably play a reverse forecast between the two or something like that yeah fair enough yeah no it's not a race at the moment that I'll be getting too heavily involved in and Paddy are you a fan of Min? well I mean obviously that pro was he did he open up about threes opened Min up at fours not? four to one yeah we were, oh, all, we were all sleeping Paddy we were all sleeping <laughs> He has been absolutely smashed, hasn't he? But um, like Dave said, did win this very nicely last year. I think so far, Dave is right as far as real steel goes. 
on all known form, he's not good enough to win this. But he is only six uh, real steel. And to be fair, them last two performances, like, I mean, at Punchestown in that real red hot um, novice handicap chase, I mean, that was a great age. 11 stone 10, and he beat Hardline by six and a half lengths. And then on his reappearance at Down Royal in the, in the, the Daily Mirror, I mean, he beat Secret Secret Investor by 14. So this is a horse who is improving at, at a fair rate of knots. Now, obviously, this is much deeper water again, um, straight into um, into a grade one. But I'll tell you, he certainly deserves his place, Real Steel. And, and we'll know an awful lot more about him on, on Sunday. But connections being as they are, and the way that the market has developed with this min, that he certainly, after 222 days, he, he, it sounds to me like he's somewhere near where, where where they want him, so it's probably hard to be against him. More than likely, and I imagine it's as well because the other few up the head of the market like Duvan, etc., won't be going. So I'd say there's a lot of people putting two and two together. So moving on now to anything else that we'd like to see over the weekend. I too, which I'll start off with, in the uh, two ten at Navin on Saturday, Agent Baru is now only three pounds higher than for. His last win, he will have needed that last run. And I think that he he could go off a very big price there and run an absolute blinder. Uh, Rock Bauna is in that, who ran a really good race behind Cliff Anora last time. But Agent Brew could well just go under the radar here. And um, he could go off big odds for the Gibney team, whose horses are running well, which was pointed out by Al Littleluck, who finished third on Sunday last weekend. He's a very small team of horses, but he's a very good trainer, is Thomas Gibney. And um, Agent Baru in that 2.10 at Navin on Saturday will be very interesting. In the 2.45 at Navin on Saturday as well, um, a horse that Paddy likes and I like as well is Expatriate. This horse could run here off a mark of 146. I think this mark is well within his compass. He's ran two huge races the last twice behind, um, behind Brahma Bull and Battle over Dian. This horse will rock up here. Won't be too big a price, but won't be too... Too short either uh, for Elmarie Holden, who always knows the time of day. And that horse there off 146, I think Expatriate in the 245, if he lines up, will take a world of stopping. Um, Paddy, was there anything else to look out for? Yeah, on Saturday, Dermo, I was going to go to the first race at Weatherby, and there was a horse here of Rose Dobbins who won his bumper at Kelso um, about a month ago, Le Cheval Noir. Um, now, he was a point winner at Drumahan, but he, that was in April 2018. And we ran in the bumper at, it was in the first week in November up at Kelso. That was f- uh, coming back of an absence of 566 days. Now, he was backed into 72, second favourite on the day, but he was very, he was very keen, fresh, gassy, and he'd done enough wrong to get himself beat. Now, albeit on the day, I think he was lucky to maybe just hang on to it in the steward's room. He did give Robbie Dunshurst a nudge um, sort of inside the final furlong, and he probably did have luck on his side on the day. But I just think he's got a fair engine, this chap. I'd imagine they won't have got him cheap, having won at Drumahan on debut. And this is his first run over hurdles, but he's bound to have improved massively for that Um bumper run that day so Le Cheval Noir in the 12.05 at Weatherby on Saturday now she has got a couple in it so hopefully he, he's he's declared to run in, in the first at Weatherby on Saturday he's one to know going forward anyway thanks very much Paddy and uh, Dave 
Yeah, just a few over in Ireland um, for, the weekend, for the weekend ahead. Um, and first at Navin on Saturday, I thought go ahead with the plan was an interesting horse. He ran a stormer the last day in a strong bumper. And it'd be interesting to see what price he is put up with um, for no mead. Then beginner's chase, Mellon has entered up there. So if he runs, you'd imagine he'd win. But uh, Glenn Lowe has also entered in that race. And I think it's probably the world's worst kept secret what the plan is for him. He'll get a mark after this run and all roads will lead to Cheltenham um, for probably a handicap there. And then wide receivers entered in both the bumper at Navin and the Punchestown for Gordon Elliott. As well, lots of whispers going around with that horse. And then just at Cork, there's three graded races. I thought Cedas Emery would take the win, take a lot of beating if he showed up in the Healy way. And then um, Sonora in the Mayor's Novice for the Bromhead is well clear in ratings. And if he if she turns up, should win as well. And um, she'll probably be odds on, or if she's not, she should be. So uh, just worth keeping an eye out on them. And then there's a handicap hurdle at Punchtown, which probably three of them could win. Um, they all have multiple entries across the weekend, so it might be interesting to see where they all end up. And they are uh, Tracy Zenis Corti, Powers Bomb, and Burlesque Queen, who all won last time and look very progressive. Absolutely perfect. So, Dave, so while you're on the mic there, um, what's your nap for the weekend? Um, my nap for the weekend is going to be V, v Leon Rouge in the Beecher Chase and about 10 to 1. Um, as I said earlier, he's a national fences specialist, gets around every time, and probably doesn't just probably doesn't stay the national trip. So, I would say this is probably his main target for the year. Um, so they'll have him cherry ripe for it. Ten to one. It's a lovely each way price. And um and Paddy? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Evan Williams horse that I mentioned earlier in that listed handicap at Sandown on Saturday Dermo. Mac the man. You can get him at sort of there's there's a bit of sevens, bit of sixes around at the minute. And this is deeper water, but I thought he 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 won last time like a horse who is certainly going forward and, and, and they could land a real nice prize with this chap on Saturday. Absolutely perfect. And I will nap in the uh, London National, which is the uh, 335 at Sandown on Saturday. I will nap Royal Vacation at 9-1. to one. So fairly yeah. decent prices there on offer, lads. Thanks very much, Dave. Thanks very much, Paddy. And uh, next week, don't forget, we will have Dean back in the, in the main seat, so you won't have to put up with me as your host for much longer. Thanks for listening to The Race Hour in association with bookmakers.co.uk. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.